Welcome to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And okay, as always, we are not a spoiler-free podcast, so we will be discussing everything that's aired so far, uh, which is all of the first season. In this episode, we are talking about the main character of Orphan Black, Sarah Manning. And uh, Sarah's like a pretty interesting character. She's, you know, introduced to us and she's basically an anti-hero. Uh, when we first see Sarah, she she wakes up on a train and, uh, you know, immediately says something that, you know, she has to apologize for because there's a child present, which of course we find out later Sarah has a child. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, I thought that's kind of interesting. Well, I, th- I think it's interesting, especially in concert with what we see in the subsequent scene, where it's very clear from that first little moment, Sarah's this person who's a little rough around the edges. You know, she wakes up and she says a curse word, but she apologizes. She realizes, oh, shoot, there was a child. Sorry, didn't mean to offend you. So, yes, a little rough around the edges, but has sort of a sense of maybe morality is too strong of a word, but at least civility, I guess. And then subsequently we see her do something that's rather, um, what's a good word for it? Rather questionable in regards to whether it's a moral thing to do or not. So it's interesting to have this first little moment showing her being a little kind, a little civil to somebody on the train. And then it's juxtaposed with this moment where she does something really questionable. That questionable thing, of course, being stealing the purse of a woman she just saw commit suicide. Exactly. And then immediately following stealing her purse, she steals her identity. Yes. And so, okay, let me just, let's just back up for a second. So Sarah's on the train. She says a bad word. She apologizes. And then we see her on the phone to who we find out later, Mrs. S, basically asking to see her daughter. And it doesn't seem to be going well. So we have set up really quickly Sarah's primary motivation for most of the season, which is, or at least a a big primary motivator for most of the season, which is her relationship with her daughter. So I think the writers did try to give the audience a hint that this woman's kind of desperate before they show her do this morally questionable thing where she steals a woman's purse who just committed suicide and then assumes her identity. Agreed. And uh, I just, I'm going to point out here, uh, it was sort of interesting to me, the first time I watched the first episode with my dad, my dad's reaction was that everybody was so unlikable, which I thought was kind of interesting. (laughs) Um, Because yes, I mean, it is, we're very much in a morally dark gray area. But, you know, my dad also watches a lot of lots of shows with uh, anti-heroes and stuff, and uh, which I very quickly pointed out to him. Like, how is this any worse than anything that people do on Dexter? <laughs> well, it's interesting to me because we went to DragonCon 2013 and we attended a couple of Orphan Black discussion panels. It was just fan discussion panels. And it was interesting hearing one of the panelists say that he had difficulty liking Sarah in the beginning Maybe partially because of this, this, this action that she does immediately where she steals a dead woman's identity. But for some reason, that did not turn me off. Sarah, I was just sort of thinking, oh, it's a character moment. She's a survivor, you know? <laughs> well, see, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, but then, you know, you and I are lit majors. So 
uh, I think we're coming at things differently than right. some people would be. Right. And I think actually the writers did it really smartly because they sandwiched this really morally questionable thing that she does in between interaction on the train, hearing her be really desperate to reunite with her daughter. And then we see her with Felix. And I think mm -hmm. it's really hard to think Sarah's all that bad when she has obviously that really lovely relationship with Felix. Right. But then, of course, in that scene with Felix, we find out that she's been involved with, like, a drug dealer or dealers and possibly doing some drug dealing herself because she's stolen these drugs from her from her boyfriend that, you know, or her ex-boyfriend now. And I mean, in this scene, I think we also find out that she's been away for 10 months. No, I think we maybe find that out later. I'm fuzzy now. Anyway, uh, but she says to Felix about about Vic uh, I hit him first this time, I believe is her actual quote. So she says, I hit him first this time, which implies that Vic has hit her first previous times. And we do hear Felix say to Vic in, in subsequent episodes, Sarah left you because she was abusive. So yes, we do have this reveal that she stole some drugs and been in drug involved with drug dealers. But still, I think the writers are trying to garner Sarah some sympathy from the viewers by introducing the idea that maybe she was in an abusive relationship. It's quite possible it was mutually abusive. There, you know, just because Vic hit her doesn't mean she didn't hit back. But there is sort of that suggestion there. Yeah, I, I did actually always take that as being a being a comment on being a, a mutually abusive relationship. Just, you know, because the way she says it to me says that this is something that's happened lots of times. Sometimes it's one hits the other first and the other times it's the other way. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know, but that's sort of the way I took it from the way it was said, I guess. Anyway, um, and then we do also learn later that she's been gone for 10 months and, and has left her daughter with Mrs. S. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's all... Sarah's quite the the anti-hero character. Yeah. And, and agreed. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't find her unsympathetic. I I think they were very careful in setting it up that way. That, you know, she has her reasons for the crazy things that have apparently been going on in her life. Right. Because she, she did leave her daughter with Mrs. S, but apparently she's been dealing with drug dealers and stuff. I, I mean, I guess we can give her some points for not bringing her daughter around that nonsense. But yeah, definitely. And that's a big thing for sort of when you're creating a female anti-hero is relationships with children, especially their own children. To, so to, to have this sort of moment where she made a questionable decision in regards to her daughter, is definitely sort of a, a key part of, of setting up a female anti-hero. Mm -hmm. And I did actually recently read something talking about how popular and prevalent the male anti-hero has become, and they were talking about how we were finally starting to get some really good female anti-heroes, such as Sarah. And I apologize for not remembering what that was that I read, but um, it was an interesting sort of commentary, just because, again, we have things like, you know, Dexter and Breaking Bad and Mad Men and I don't know what all the... The various, mostly cable shows, but not exclusively cable shows, that have the male anti-hero, you know, doing shady things. And anyway, but yes, the 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 new group of female anti-heroes popping up, and and they did cite Sarah Manning as one of one of those. 
Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I remember reading the same thing. It also maybe talked about Piper on Orange is the New Black and a couple other female antiheroes. Maybe that was what it was. Again, I apologize for not remembering what the article was or where the article was. But anyway, but that leads us to Sarah as a lead character. Actually, before I move on, can I can I talk about something else? Yes. So I think another thing we see in the first episode really setting up Sarah as an, as an antihero is perhaps how she uses her sexuality in that situation where mm-hmm. Paul is really close to sort of, she feels like Paul is really close to saying, you're not who you say you are, and she has sex with him. And I think that's really a moment where you're not quite sure how you feel about Sarah. Again, I, I hadn't lost sympathy for her at that point because I... I like you said, I'm a lit major. I'm thinking, oh, definitely survival skills coming out there. But, <laughs> but definitely, I think that moment is a is difficult to kind of decide whether you understand why Sarah did that. If you can kind of forgive Sarah for doing that, for sort of using Paul in a way, I, I think it becomes easier when we learn later that Paul was, you know, a monitor sit there to to spy Beth, to spy on Beth. But in that moment, we don't know that when we're first watching the series. Right. And and another good moment from the first episode too, setting up Sarah as an antihero or or really I guess it's more sort of illustrating her desperation and cleverness at the same time. Uh she she drinks the soap to get out of the deposition. Right. right. I don't uh, yeah, I thought that that actually made me love her a little bit because I thought that is disgusting and incredibly clever. I yes. don't know if I could have made myself drink soap in order to be able to vomit in front of an entire room of people. And like, really, who thinks that that's, you know, the best way to get out of the situation? Like, that's crazy. Sarah does. <laughs> Which is why she makes a much better lead character of a show than I would. <laughs> I probably would just sit there and sweat and be timid and crumple under pressure. <laughs> you and me both. Yes. And then there wouldn't have been a series and we wouldn't be here. So it's a good thing that Sarah's the lead and not you or I. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing, you know, watching watching the show with other people, they're just kind of like, what is she doing? Is she doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She does some pretty out there things, but, you know, they they generally seem to go okay for her. They tend to get her the outcome that she is at least going for. Yep. Ah, oh, crazy, crazy Sarah. <sighs> crazy does run in their family, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> crazy or resourceful? A little bit of both. Maybe Helena is just under- misunderstood. She's incredibly resourceful. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think resourcefulness covers no. it. <laughs> no? Okay. The murdering? <laughs> I was trying, Helena fans. No, I, by all means, I love Helena, but... But we've seen her kill people, <laughs> like quite a few people. So I'm not so sure that resourcefulness alone covers that. Okay. That's all okay. I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so so Sarah, as the lead character, has been given the most complete character arc of all of the characters for the first season. Um, of course, we sort of don't see as much of Allison and Cosima until about midway through the season. So really... Sarah is the one that we take the journey with during the first season. We we come to the discovery of clones as Sarah finds out about them. And of course, you know, having to come to terms with the fact that they're clones and 
figure out what's going on. They've got quite the mystery set up in the first season. Well, like like we've been talking about when when Sarah first sort of appears on the scene in episode one, it's very clear. She's very clear about what she wants to do. She's there to get her daughter, to get her Felix, to get some money, and then leave. And if you've watched the entire season, that is not what happens in the slightest. She kind of makes some moves towards that end a couple of times, but barely gets a foot in that direction before something happens and she changes her mind and she doesn't do it. So... I think we really see this this great development for, for for her from somebody who's really transient, really flighty, just wants to run to somebody who is more part of a community, I guess. She wants she she sort of form connections with people in this strange odd way and is more tied to a, this group of people that she's kind of come to uh come to know through very strange circumstances. And what I really appreciate about this story, you know, the sort of arc of Sarah being somebody who's just sort of perpetually on the run. She's running from her life. I mean, we when they introduce the character, they've basically, they're establishing that she has, has run away and has come back. And like, immediately after that, we find out that she has come back so that she can get the people that she loves and run again, as you were saying. And so, I mean, it's the first several episodes, she's intent on this plan to run. And then around episode seven, actually in episode seven, uh, Paul has been captured by Olivier. Well, not captured, but Paul is being held by Olivier and Olivier has him call Sarah. And he tells her to run. But of course, Sarah doesn't run. Sarah shows up to come save Paul. And... When Paul says, I told you to run, Sarah's response is, I don't do run. And I thought that was so sort of interesting and perfect, given that she's introduced as perpetually running. So, Yeah, it's a bit of a jarring moment, because all we've really been shown about Sarah for the first few episodes, anyway, is she wants to run, she wants to run. And so when you hear her say that, you think... What are, you, what are you talking about? You run all the time. so <laughs> That's all you do. That's all you've done up to this point, pretty much. But, so yeah, definitely a a, a big step for her in, in, in regards to character development. Yep. And then, of course, you know, episode 10 rolls around, and basically she's, you know, from being this person who's sort of, you know, as you say, transient. She has she she kills Helena to protect herself and Kara and the other clones. You know, I think by that point she's sort of, as you say, found a sense of community. The other clones, she she actually, well, she and Felix, I think, refer to them as her sisters. So, and and really, if there's one thing we've seen from Sarah, it's that her family is really important to her. You know. Family and and having cash. <laughs> of course, again, the the cash thing seems primarily to seems to primarily be about taking care of the family. So, but anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I do think it's interesting how learning that she's a clone seems to, in a weird way, have grounded Sarah. 
because I think you really start to see her change when she starts developing relationships with the other clones and finally sort of knows what's going on for her. Because I think the first thing she does that really shows, oh, maybe she's making a change is when she decides not to take the money that she's embezzled from Beth's bank account and she gives it back to Allison. Mm-hmm. And I think she expresses it to Felix that, you know, she she just couldn't do that to them after she sort of learns that Helena's after them and wants and actually does want to kill them. You know, she she doesn't just take their money and run. She she gives it back to them. And that's a huge setback for her original goal of, oh, I'm going to assume this identity. I'm going to get some money. I'm going to take care. I'm going to take Felix and we're going to go. When she gives back this huge sum of money that she, you know, got involved in a somewhat complicated scam in order to get access to. So it's interesting to me that finding out something so absurd about yourself that you're a clone, you're, you know, the product of some illegal experiments has made Sarah feel like, oh, okay, this is my place in the world. This, this, this does me some good to know this. But, and it may be because she's a foster child. I think I know foster children often feel really disconnected from there's a sense of origin, a sense of family, a sense of place. So maybe because she had that upbringing, unlike the other clones who were raised in families thinking that they were the, the, the biological children of parents, maybe that's why this experience has affected Sarah in that way. And they do talk about that in the the show some that, you know, she talks about Amelia as, you know, somebody I've looked for my entire life and that sort of thing. You know, so we do get the sense that Sarah's been yearning for, for family, for biological family. And uh, again, to me, what's so interesting is that here she's had family, you know, Felix and Mrs. S and, and Kira. And again, you know that they're important to her. I mean, we've seen that. We we know that she wants Felix and Kira and herself to be, you know, somewhere safe with enough cash to be taken care of. That's, again, the, the main goal we've seen with Sarah. But again, you know, she's come back and she's she's been away from them for 10 months. She's sort of, you know, not... As much as she loves them, she hasn't been with them. And so I kind of get the sense that Sarah, as much as she longs for and loves her family, she sort of doesn't know how to be part of a family. Like there's, you know, I don't know, just that whole, it it could be part of the being untethered kind of thing that we were talking about. I, I don't know. This is, again, just my speculation, but... I I kind of think that maybe, again, finding out that she's a clone, finding out that there's this weird stuff going on with the clones, and, you know, here somebody is killing them, and they need to find out what this is and take care of it. I I think there's the fact that there's a built-in mission for this has maybe helped Sarah to stay more grounded with them. You know what I mean? You were talking about how Sarah has been grounded by this discovery of being a clone. And I, I do agree that, you know, having having sense of origins is part of that. But I do kind of think maybe that, you know, having this mission of trying to take care of this weird stuff that's going on has maybe given Sarah a purpose, maybe would be a good word for it. She's not so good with the day-to-day, maybe with her family, but when she has like a larger overarching, oh, I need to protect them, that 
helps her interact with him better, I guess. Yeah, I think that is sort of what I'm getting at is that, you know, because we know that Sarah is very good at doing what she has to do. You know, again, talking about being being quite the survivor and all this sort of thing that, you know, and, and drinking the soap out of desperation and just doing all this sort of stuff that she has to do. Again, I think this sort of, you know, well, I have to protect my family, even though I didn't know I had this family. I have to figure out what's going on. I have to take care of them. This is my goal now. You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing that I have to do. I'm going to do it. Right. She's good at, like we mentioned, she's a survivor. She's good at being in survival mode. So when that survival mode encompasses her family, she can deal with that. And that, that gives her sort of a, a, a greater attachment to this, both her, her actual family in regards to Mrs. S. Felix and Kira and sort of this weird community that she's created through the different clones. Though I guess technically they, they would be family too in the strictest sense. They are biologically similar to each other. It, it Identical, in fact. <laughs> yes. Oh, also, I was thinking about, you know, upon one of my many rewatches of the series that, um, you know, I, I kind of think that maybe she's gotten that deeply protective streak from Mrs. S, you know? Again, I, I don't know. This is speculation. But, but I mean, that's one of the things that we keep hearing from Mrs. S. You know, if this cut, takes one step near Kira, you yell fire, we're gonna pack up and leave. And Sarah's like, absolutely, that's, yes, that's what's going to happen. Right. And we have evidence that perhaps that's why they ended up in Canada, is that Mrs. S, out of a sense of protectiveness, moved them from the UK to Canada. Yep. Sarah and Mrs. S do have sort of the the contentious relationship, but I, I do kind of think that maybe that's because they do care so much about each other. You know what I mean? That, and, that whole right, and I think partially because they're similar to each other in a lot of ways, and oftentimes you have a difficulty getting along with somebody whose relation whose personality is is so similar to yours so mm-hmm. i think I think they have a lot of similarities, especially in their approach to especially sort of their survival approach it seems like they 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 have kind of um uh they can kind of clash sometimes in regards to that right. No, I agree. And it is one of those things. I think that does happen more when you've got the really strong, stubborn personalities like that. Well, I will say that something I'm really curious about, because I think this partially goes to maybe why Mrs. S and Sarah's relationship is how it is in the beginning, is I really want to know more about why Sarah left 11 months ago, because we get the sense of what she's been doing. She's been running cons and griffs and things with Vic, but... I kind of feel like there might have been another impetus that caused her to leave. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would be curious if there was, if there wasn't something that happened maybe between her and Felix, her and Mrs. S, probably not her and Felix, but between her and Mrs. S or something like that, that kind of encouraged Sarah to leave. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about that at the Orphan Black fan panel at Dragon Con too. I, I do also wonder if something happened, but then they didn't really address that too much. So I don't know. Like, I wonder if it could be Vic himself. That was the problem. Oh, that Mrs. S didn't like Vic. And so that led to Sarah leaving. Possibly. Yeah. 
that's that's a good possibility possibility there's not a whole lot to like about Vic as far as Mrs. S is concerned right and I mean that was one of the first things that I think she asked Sarah about was was Vic and you know Sarah was like no no he's he's out of the picture for good or whatever she says but because it's interesting because yeah because Vic insinuates that he's never met Kira when he thinks that Sarah has died he's telling Felix I want to meet Sarah's daughter so and Felix tells him that it's never going to happen and that there was a reason that Sarah never introduced them so right so yeah I think that might be maybe Vic was the the thing that pushed Sarah into leaving and, and leaving Kira behind who knows but then again, that that brings us back to why on earth would Sarah Sarah align herself with Vic anyway? Yeah, I really want to know why Sarah left initially. I hope they get into that more in in season two, maybe. Yeah, me too. So of course, the thing about Kira is that you know Sarah's heart is so you know invested in Kira. Sarah's. Let me rephrase. Kira is Sarah's heart, so to speak. You know what I mean? That's. Again, one of the few things that we see Sarah really, really care about. You know, of course, for that same reason, Kira is also Sarah's Achilles heel, as we found out in the finale. Well, we didn't really find it out in the finale, but they showed us in the finale. (laughs) And also episode eight, the end of episode eight, where everyone, anyone who's live tweeting or blogging or whatever about Orphan Black, you can tell when they get to the end of episode eight. Because everything's in all caps, and they're just frantic, and there's, like, verbal flailing. (laughs) Because everybody loves Kira. Definitely, Kira is Sarah's main motivator. But I feel like we actually don't get to see them interact all that much in season one. More so toward the end, when Kira's been injured. But I'm kind of curious what... I'm more curious sort of what Sarah and Kira's interactions are are like on a day-to-day level, because like you mentioned, it it feels like Sarah isn't necessarily the best at being, she wants to be in a family, she cares about her family, but she's maybe not the greatest at the day-to-day. And so we get little glimpses of kind of what Sarah Sarah and Kira's relationship might be on the day-to-day, but more of it is in the context of these really larger, bigger events that are going on. So... I don't know. I, I, I wish we'd gotten this, a better sense of sort of what their individual dynamics were, were, were like with each other. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those things, you know, we when we see Sarah with Kira, she's very, very good with her. But yeah, there is that whole, she always kind of leaves afterwards, which of course is partly dictated by Mrs. S. But uh, one does wonder what it was like before. Like, did she stay with Mrs. S a lot before? Sarah left. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Especially since Vic had never met her. Clearly, when Sarah and Vic were together, she was staying with somebody. I think it's likely it was Mrs. S. It might have been Felix, but I think it's likely it was Mrs. S. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I think the big questions that we we have as viewers is, how exactly did Kira come about? It's Sarah's a clone, as far as we know so far in regards to research. Clones, clones are usually sterile. But we know Sarah wasn't the original because she was a twin with Helena. So who was Kira's father? Where did Kira come from? I think we have actually a lot of questions about Kira's origin and sort of what maybe was passed down to her, given that her her mother was a clone, that 
And hopefully they'll address some of those questions in season two and season three and other upcoming seasons. Hopefully there's a lot of seasons. And of course, they keep making reference to what, what a special girl Kara is. And, you know, here there's the, the, the healing and the immediate knowledge that Allison was not Sarah and knowing that Sarah was Sarah. <laughs> right. She can tell the clones apart. She seems to have miraculous healing abilities. There's definitely some stuff going on with Kara. She's, she is special indeed. Yes. So of course, Sarah's most stable relationship that I think we've seen on the show is with Felix. And I, I mean most stable relationship in the sense that they are both adults and have a relatively equal relationship, even though clearly Sarah bosses Felix around a lot and he pretty much does whatever she asks. And Felix being the, the most stable relationship in Sarah's life, I do think is, is sort of an, an interesting thing that, uh, well, I mean, Sarah's the only the only clone that we see with a sibling that we know of. And I think it's likely that the other clones do not have siblings. Yes, it does seem unlikely that any of the other clones have siblings from what we've been told. Right, because they were conceived through in vitro fertilization, which is very expensive. So it's not impossible that they have siblings, but I think it's fairly unlikely that they have siblings. Anyway, where I'm going with this is... I'm wondering if Sarah having a sibling, even a foster sibling, you know, Sarah has grown up with another being as a sibling. It's what I'm trying to say in a weird way. Um, but I'm just thinking, does that make the clone discovery easier also? Since she's had a sibling for, you know, the past 20 years? Maybe. I think definitely... The relationship that she has with Felix helps her adjust because, as we see with Allison, she's really hesitant to tell Donnie, I think partially because Donnie isn't super involved with, you know, in, in Allison's business, they seem to have a fairly distant relationship at the beginning of the series. But I think a lot of it is also worry that my husband's going to think I'm a freak, you, you know, and... And, you know, from, I think, Allison's perspective, worry that her perfect little life that she's kind of achieved might crumble. So she doesn't really seem to have anybody she can talk to besides the other clones. And we don't really get a sense that Kasima has anybody she's talked to about this whole situation besides the other clones. But Sarah has Felix. It takes her a while to tell him, but she does eventually tell him. So I think having that relationship with him in that way is definitely helpful. But whether just having a sibling in and of itself, I'm not, I don't know, maybe. But I mean, just the fact that, you know, she's had another sibling. So like the new siblings aren't necessarily a big change for her is sort of what I'm thinking possibly. Right, right. No, I understand where you're coming from. But I, okay. I, I don't know. I guess I'm just not. I don't know. I don't I don't have a good answer, I guess. And I mean, she does have in Felix also, you know, a confidant, essentially, that you know, here's somebody who, you know, is is in her life and, you know, is also seeing all the stuff that's going on, but isn't actually part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, because, yes, the other clones talk to each other about it, but, like, they're all going through it. And, you know, Allison's comment to Sarah about, mm, the only person I have to talk to is you and you're just another version of me or whatever it is that she says. Right, and, right. 
the clones have each other because of necessity. Like, their relationship is formed out of necessity, whereas Sarah and Felix's relationship was there from the beginning. So she has that in a way that maybe the other clones don't. Right. And of course, Felix sort of often playing, like, the kind of the voice of reason, or trying to, sort of being that, uh, you know, like a slightly more objective perspective on the situation. Maybe. I do kind of wonder why it took Sarah so long to tell Felix what was up in regards to all these women she kept meeting who looked like her and were dying and and things like that. I mean, I guess she did tell him about Beth when it happened. Right. It. It. I think the thing that took the longest time was trying to tell him about what happened to Katya. Right. Which I guess you can kind of understand because you don't necessarily want to like drop that on somebody that oh somebody got murdered right in front of me and then I got shot at too. Exactly. So I, yeah, I was going to say probably part of that might have been her protectiveness cuz she's obviously very protective of Felix as we see when when Allison points a gun at Felix and she perhaps was trying to protect him from worrying about her because you know, there it would have been difficult to say what happened to Kat- to Katya without including the fact that she got shot at too. Mhm. So going back to the moment I referenced when Allison points a gun at Felix and Sarah, Sarah steps in front of a gun, first of all, to protect Felix, and then slaps the hell out of Allison for pointing a gun at Felix. And when she does this, Felix looks really concerned for Allison. And I, I like in that moment, there's maybe the suggestion that perhaps some of those assault charges in Sarah's past might have been related to people giving a Felix a hard time. I think definitely when Felix was younger and and probably getting picked on for being, you know, the queer kid, probably Sarah stood up for him then. But I, I, there's definitely this, this sense that that is not the first time that Sarah has attacked somebody for, for threatening Felix in some way. Oh, I absolutely believe that Sarah would and has done, would has done, (laughs) would do and has done exactly that. Um, you know, standing up for, for Felix. Absolutely. I mean, that is completely within her character as we have seen. Again, that protectiveness over family and maybe not going about things in the best way. <laughs> but effective. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> not the best way, but it worked. Allison, Allison seemed pretty chastised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Allison. <laughs> Oh, dear. So send us your comments about Sarah, what you think about her story arc, her relationship with her family. Sarah, as an antihero, did you like her at first? Did you not like her at first? Do you still not like her? We'd love to hear your thoughts. And you can send us those thoughts via email to feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com. You can also send us what you think via Twitter. You can follow us at TIE Podcast. You can also call our listener voicemail line and leave us a voice message at 972-514-7223. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Tatiana's Everyone. And we'll see you next week when we talk about Felix. Felix.